forecasting's huge. Well, you know, something that we were talking about is, you know, the IP. You've got a personal brand. Yeah. You know, how in the heck did you get on TV? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> you know what? And we were talking about how what the perception is and how are you perceived and, you know, my admiration for Gordon and how he's navigated his career. You know, Gordon, for example, he's maintained three Michelin stars for 20 years in England. It's amazing. You know how hard it is? You're reviewed twice a year by the inspectors. You got to keep that standard and that quality at an all-time high and be consistent and diligent. And just, I just find that fascinating. But he's a chef first. He's yeah. an entrepreneur. Then he's like a TV person. And then he's like, you know, all these different things. But he's, he's a chef. And that's what I am. My dream was always to have my own restaurant. I wanted to be the captain of my ship. I wanted to cook the food that, that spoke to me. I wanted to make people happy through my craft and, and, and have others grow with me and have opportunities to be successful. That was a goal. Television came knocking on my door because that was really, you know, I'm a good looking young kid, chef at the time. You know, Latin food was starting to get a, a bigger understanding and appreciation. Food Network started coming back in its infancy. And I was kind of like brought in initially to do like, you know, a Cinco de Mayo, you know, they would say Mayo, they wouldn't say Mayo, you know, it's like Cinco de Mayo, Mayo uh, taco party or a Mexican Christmas. And I would do these little appearances on the network initially. And they were like, man, you're well-spoken, you're good looking, you're talented shit, you know, whatever. And then, then I would be asked to do another show. And it kind of just started snowballing like that. And then I still do this. I only wanted to do television, not to, to promote myself or any of that, but to have people come to my restaurant. I wanted to use it as a marketing tool. And now it's changed so much because now I'm like this cultural ambassador for Latinos and yes. cooks. And now my mission and, and the presence on television is so, so much more different, but initially was just to get people to come into the restaurant, you know? And I was part of the, 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 the celebrity chef launch, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was right there. and. I remember Food Network was on um, was on the six on Forty Fourth Street and Sixth Avenue. They were in a building like this. Mm -hmm. You imagine? Mm -hmm. So, and I had to bring all my prep with me from the restaurant. So I had everything in these little plastic containers. I'm bringing this shit up in a taxi. You know what I mean? And trying to get up there, and I'm cooking this dish, and the damn fire alarms going off because they don't have the proper venting because you're not supposed to cook in a corporate in a corporate building like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. And we just didn't really know what we were doing at that time. And I remember going into the studio and seeing all the set pieces all tucked into this corner because they literally just had one big room that we were doing all the shows in. And then from there, it just, you know, it started coming and other shows been coming, you know, and I've been doing television for 24 years, 23 yeah. years. I've been on television a long time. Yeah. And I never thought that that was going to be such a big part of my life. Like, I really didn't. I thought, you know, I'd fall out of favor or some other hotshot young chef is going to come here and yeah. kind of like bump me off or whatever. And it hasn't happened. Um, Why do you think that is? Because I continue to, to, to redefine myself. I continue to find things that, that motivate me and inspire me. Yeah. So when I come in, it's, I'm, not, I'm not the same trick pony. I'm coming in with a new love or a new facet of something that I just took a trip to Mexico and I'm really excited about this regional food from Michoacan or I just been to Peru and I was blown away with the ceviche master and Javier Wong and he taught me how to do it. You know, so like I'm always constantly trying to f seek out new things yeah or sometimes old things but bringing them to a, a new audience yeah you're at reinvention and reintroduction yeah so that's that's kind of how I, I continue to stay relevant and and also my style is so unique and um i'm also 
you know, television is really interesting because it's it, it it will expose you for better or for worse. Mm. If you're a good person, you'll come across that way. If you're a douche, you're gonna be it's it's it, you're gonna be douched. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's gonna come out. Yeah, you know what garbage I mean? in, garbage out. Apparently, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun. I mean, look, I've got a lot of opportunity in life because I've been able to to do television, and you know, people admire what I do. But I. I'm always of that mindset that I have to be prepared for it not to be part of my life. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of fickle, man. You're, you're, yeah. you're at the mercy of other people making decisions about you. And I, that, sometimes that freaks me out because I like to control, you know, you know how, what, what we're doing, you know. And in this, you know, like right now, I'm pitching a show right now to multiple networks. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's, it's one of the shows I'm really excited about making. And I, I've been turned down by four networks already. And I'm like, and I'm like thinking, and I'm overlooking the deck. I'm talking to my our team, and I'm like, "What's wrong? Why, why is this not getting bought?" And then they're like, "Well, I don't look. It's the end of the year. People don't have their budgets yet. People are not pulling the trigger on food shows. It's it's a saturated, a saturated genre right now, or whatever it is." And I have to come to grips with that, you know. Yeah. But then I'm hell bent on doing it because when I want to get something, I I go get it, you know. That's good. I wanted to get that Master Chef job, the one I have now. Yeah. I wanted that job badly, and I got it, and. It's been a big, uh, you have to be like that in life. You have to have somebody that you look up to that you want to get to. Yeah. You know, if, if you're in business, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you have to have that. Because you, 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 unless you're just working aimlessly, you know what I mean, without a direction, you don't know what, what the hell, where, where you want to be at. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And some people are content with what they have, and that's okay too. You yeah. know, but me, I, I, I have this insatiable need to be better and, and and to influence others and help our team grow you know yeah it's our team i hate when people say my team uh, people are not objects i hate when people say that mm -hmm. our team we're all in this together and we're all striving for the same goal and that's making people happy through food mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah 100%. so just like the wording and how you have the structure of, of the team is so important it's, it's, it's a big reason why i've allowed to be successful but you know it's so funny in the restaurant business my mom always had shitty coffee at a restaurant. People would say it all the time. Let's record on this. So my mom, you know, they, she had the restaurant for 30 years. It was like the bastion of all Mexican cuisine in, in New York. And people would come and just rave about the food. Like, we used to have all of these crazy celebrities like Anthony Quinn, Robert Palmer was a good friend of my mom, Paul Newman. Paul Newman was probably about 70 years old. And he had 25 year old women charging him. Like we had to like push people back at his age. Cause he's, that's Paul Newman, man. Yeah. So anyway, so people would always like come in, love the food, rave about it. And they go, you have horrible coffee, horrible shitty coffee. And she goes, and then she did an interview once and she says, well, what's the story with the coffee? He goes, I have horrible shitty coffee cause I want people to get up and get out. <laughs> and I need, I need that table. Talking about an entrepreneur. Brilliant. Yeah, that table is real estate. And what people don't realize that as an entrepreneur, your restaurant, everything is precious. Everything has a value to it. Yes. And I think that's so, that gets lost on people, you know, and uh, and how the business has changed, you know. I, there was a really, I remember sitting on this panel and it was one of the most hilarious things I've ever been part of. There was a gentleman named George Lang, very famous man, super elegant, older guy, who was the owner of Cafe de Artiste, which was one of the vulnerable, sort of French-inspired, very elegant restaurant on the Upper West Side. And he called everybody darling. And we asked him, so Mr. Lang, what is the what is your opinion on the current restaurant scene in New York and in general? And he goes, darling, 
the restaurant scene has gone the way of prostitution. It's full of amateurs. Like that. He said that, and everyone was like... But the guy's like 75 years yeah. old, so no one's going to tell him anything. Yeah. I'm like, kind of inappropriate. Yeah, inappropriate, really not a good analogy. Yeah, and we're all, okay. But, um, so yeah, so my mom kind of would do little tricks like that. You know what I mean? And then she would have, like, the downstairs in a restaurant with no reservations upstairs. She took them, and she would tell people, look, I can give you a table, but I need it back in 48 minutes. And people would do it. Wow. You can't do that anymore. No, no. People will, like, write a Yelp yeah. review and kill you. You know what I mean? But Yeah, they will. But anyway, that just kind of how far things have come, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know? and I, I think one of the things that has been really interesting is just even her and the heritage that you, that you have, uh, not only with, you know, cultural heritage, but just the heritage that you have with being a restaurateur with, you know, with your mom and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And the one of the things that I, I have thought was has been really interesting is this phrase that you have of, you know, lose your tongue, lose your country. Yeah. Right? So tell us about where did that come from and, and what how are you sort of, Sort of employing that. Yeah. Well, you know, in Spanish, it's cuando perdes tu lengua, perdes tu patria. You lose your country when you lose your tongue. And right now, being Latino is very popular. It's like in style. It's in vogue right now. And I feel like everyone's claiming their heritage and I'm a Latino and I'm this, but you don't speak a lick of Spanish. So there's always a huge disconnect when wow. you go back to Latin America and you try to claim and rescue your roots and get back to that place that obviously is very important to you that you want to discover and figure out more about but somewhere along the way you lost your your, your language mm -hmm. so you've lost one of the most intimate parts of getting to know that part of yourself mm -hmm. and i think it it's it's endemic with a lot of generational latinos because what ends up happening is that you get first generation or, or uh, latinos or like you know their parents uh immigrated and then they want to simulate so one of the ways to do that is to not have your kids viewed as immigrants. Mm -hmm. So that's why Spanish isn't taught a lot of homes for, from certain generations, because the parents wanted to separate themselves wow. and, and raise American kids as opposed to Mexican kids or wherever. So that has changed now, because now everybody wants to kind of rescue their roots, and now you have first-generation Latinos really all about that. But I kept it with my Spanish. And the way is because my mom only spoke Spanish at home, and... Mm -hmm. You know, I, we're constantly going back and visiting with family when we only spoke Spanish. And then now I've kept up with it because I have friends that I speak in Spanish with every day. Mm -hmm. I keep up with it. I have, I've worked in kitchens my whole life. So what the hell do you think we're speaking in kitchens? You know, Spanish. Yeah. So it's like all of that has helped me have that connectivity. And how, how it also uh, influences the entrepreneur side of me is that I've gotten so many opportunities to do business because I've kept up with my Spanish. Wow. So if a brand solicits me, for instance, and they say, okay, Bounty, they want me to do a campaign with Bounty, and then we'll come and say, okay, I'll do it for this, but I need Spanish. We'll do the same, uh, we'll do the same marketing campaign in Spanish, so I get paid twice. Mm -hmm. Once in English and once in Spanish. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's how important it is because you're literally leaving money and you're leaving opportunities on the table just because you didn't keep up with your Spanish. And my son, who's 11, lives in L.A., and I'm trying to, like, you know, him and his mom, his mom and I put him into an immersion school, you know, for the first six, seven, you know, so he was, like, eight, and he just couldn't take it to the language, and we had to pull him out. Wow. So that's like disappointing to me because I'm like, he's literally going to miss out. Thing. Yeah. yeah, you're going to miss out on, st on stuff. You know, and especially think about it. Like when you go back to, to Mexico to visit with his cousins and everyone's speaking Spanish and then you feel left out. 
and then he ends up not liking going to Mexico because he doesn't he's he's not he's not vibing with with yeah. his family. He feels like a, outsider, feels like second class citizen or an outsider. Yeah, yeah, and it's very important as it comes to. You know, now I, I'm, a, I'm an owner of a, a co-owner of a production company called Cocina, where we create Latin content. Okay, so mm -hmm. we post recipes on on social media, but we also create content. So I'm an executive producer of my shows. Mm -hmm. That's like the evolution of talent. When you're on TV, you've done this for as long as I have. I know what to do when it comes to producing a show. Mm -hmm. I know what you know how to put cameras in positions. Now I know how to like write a script. I know how to do all that now, mm -hmm. and that's what's exciting for me identifying new latin talent and then having them grow their brand with the help of me and my experience yeah that's really rewarding to me yeah you know what i mean good. yeah for sure and that's why like when you charge like you always have a high value of what you're worth you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and, and and chefs especially in artists we always like we we, we we undermine ourselves because we don't have a good grasp about what we're worth mm -hmm. like i'll give you an example i turned down a lot of hundred thousand dollar deals you know why well look check it out so after i pay my agent 15 20 percent mm -hmm. the government takes 40 cents out of every dollar i make so that hundred thousand is really only 50. yep you know what i'm saying yep and then am i going to really want to work that hard for, for just that you know what i'm saying yeah and you got to make those decisions and that's why it's so important to have a day rate because I tell people all the time they're like, well, how do I charge? Well, figure out what your day rate is. So when you get approached, you do campaigns or you get approached, you do some business and work with them. You know how to how to work backwards. You say, yeah. my day is worth this, and this amount of work that you're asking me to do is going to take this much. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to charge. That's you, good. You know what I'm saying? Just as a piece of advice to people mm -hmm, out there mm -hmm. trying to figure out when you're negotiating in the contract about your work, find your day rate. That's why I always tell people, find your day rate. What are you worth? Yeah. Well, you, you know, being an author, mm -hmm. you do a lot of things. Yeah. Right. Things you've got uh, being a restaurateur for a, a number of concepts. Then, you know, you've you're on TV, been on there 24 years and, and now you've got the author thing going. So mm -hmm. what was the reason that you said, you know, I'm going to write this book? Well, you know, I've written three books and, you know, my mom actually has written three books and my grandmother wrote a book. So I'm actually a third generation cookbook author, which oh is my gosh, which is crazy, right? So, and initially started with the idea of just cataloging the recipes and having a point of view and having something that's tangible that someone can walk away with mm -hmm. and recreate at home. Like, I love that idea of a book because I cook out of books. Like, I love, I have a huge library and I love to get a book and not necessarily follow the, re the recipe per se, but just get inspiration from it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll glance over it. But I just think it's interesting to do that. So I did, you know, my first book, La Comida del Barrio, which is kind of this deep dive into Latin neighborhoods across the country. Then my second book was more just about my flavor bases and recipes that, recipes I've developed over my career. And then the latest book where I come from, Life Lessons yeah. from a Latino Chef, is really like my love letter to my mentors, to my story, to yeah. me uh, and my mom and our family and our culture and just kind of letting this be an inspirational tale, but also a cautionary tale mm -hmm. that I've got, I've, I've had to go through a lot of roadblocks and a lot of obstacles in my life to get to where I'm at now. And it's a constant process of betterment and of evolution of growth. You know, it's, it's, it's been, a very, and I wanted this book to sort of be a representation of, of all the things I've been through. Yeah. So facing all those challenges, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, I always say like, um, everybody's got their signature, their core message, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you have somebody that, you know, you talked about depression earlier and you talked about somebody struggling with mental health, 
what is sort of like your how your life's message has been crystallized, maybe distilled into like a couple of things that you would say to those people? Yeah. First of all, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I tell people, don't be ashamed of your situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like shame associated with mental health, especially because you feel like you're kind of a failure. You're not a happy person and everyone around you is happy and something you're kind of like your wiring isn't right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I remember when I went through that, there's a, such a hopelessness and despair that you feel that you're letting all these amazing experiences go by you and you have no appreciation for them. Oh, wow. And that's when it was rough. I remember, like, I, I, I didn't want to go out, and I wasn't drinking, and I wasn't going out and socializing and, and, and sort of, you know, disconnecting from the business or letting everything go. I was just wound up, and I felt like everything, there was something missing every day. Oh, wow. And that's a big part of, of depression is that you feel something's missing. I felt like I was off. Like, you know, I wasn't appreciating all these cool things I was doing or or even wanting to grow or, or, or get better. I just was kind of languishing, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then when I started seeing the therapy and getting some medicine and kind of understanding what was wrong, it really helped. And it helped me to be more productive and just that understanding that there, there are a lot of people that deal with it. Yeah. You know, being a chef is an extremely stressful job. Yes. And then you couple that with a little bit of depression and you can see how people can go over the, the edge. Yeah. So I, so I just tell people, look, man, Keep your eye on the prize. It's totally normal. There's a lot of places you can find help and know that that I'm out there, you know, supporting you. And I've been through it, you know. So, and it's always a constant Not struggle. Alone. Yeah, and it's a struggle. It's like something that's always around the corner. So you know, you kind of have to keep an eye on it. You know, like anything else. Like, well, man, I can get back there if something catastrophic happens. Yeah, yeah. Got to find a way to stay present. That's that's the big takeaway that I took from you as well. Is like. You know, there's all these awesome things going on, and if you're looking towards the next thing, or you're regretting something that happened in the past, you got something to hold you back. You're missing out on what's happening. Exactly. And yeah. you know, there's a lot. You know, I always say that it's not about where you've been, or even the now. Sometimes it's about where you're gonna want to go, where you want to be. Like, mm -hmm. what do you want to be? Because like, I watch these, these things like like on Warren Buffett, and he always says like he goes, you know what? Everybody in this room has the ability to do what I do and more, but if that doesn't happen. It's because you got in your own way. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you can't get in your own way. You have to be able to be sort of liberated from yourself and make failure your friend. Mm -hmm. It's okay to fail, you know? And fail fast. Yeah. And, and you know, also, like, when you're out here and we're out here working, getting better, being, you know, stronger, you know, there's somebody else that's, that's fucking around and, and, and not taking those things seriously. And, mm -hmm. and you and I are getting better. Yeah. So when you're messing around and you're not doing that, think about someone else is taking what you could potentially have. That's good. You know, always, like, that's how I think. I think someone's gonna take what I got or someone's gonna get to it before I do and I'm gonna be upset when that happens. That's that competitive edge too. Yeah. Well, you know, I have really been impressed with just how you look at life, how you look at your career, and then how willing to help uh, others that you are. I, I just think, you know, to all the listeners, it's one of those things that we're just so thankful to have people like you that have been through it, that are willing to share, willing to give back. And it's been freaking awesome to sit down and have a conversation with you. But I do have mm -hmm. some rapid fire questions. Oh, I love that. I, ask I love rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's all right. It. All right. What's your favorite tattoo? I see that you have a few. Um, my son, there's a baby rattle that I have, and it's actually the, the his birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. All right. Favorite artist or music to cook to? Uh, favorite artist to cook to? Well, I love Lenny Kravitz. I'm a huge fan. I love Amos Lee. 
and then a bunch of Mexican music. Okay. But I, I usually cook the ranchera music to mariachi. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I'm in. I'm in uh, New Orleans for one day for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to eat? Well, you come into my restaurant for All sure. Right. That sounds then, good. Yeah, and then you can go to Bacanal and listen to a little show and have some beautiful wine in an outdoor patio setting. I think that's an absolute must. Okay. All right. Uh, what's your uh, most memorable dish that you've ever tasted on TV? Most memorable dish I've ever tasted on TV. Oh, shit. That's a good one. Um, I think a couple seasons ago, we had a young lady who was from Burma, uh, which was, I guess, with Miramar. Miramar, yeah. And then she made us this laksa, which is kind of like this curry-based soup that was so freaking amazing. And, like, she cooked things that we, I didn't know we had in the pantry. Like, she, you know, Master Chef, she brought, like, bamboo sprouts and all this kind of shit. I was like, what the hell's going on here? I didn't realize we had that. So, uh, anyway, and it was great because it was a cuisine that I don't know about. I love when I'm stumped because it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. I love when I don't know something. It's like that should be everyone's goal sometimes, you know? I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, how do you stay balanced in your life with everything you got going on? A great family and my work family. I think everybody keeps me grounded in Buddhism. You know, I'm a Buddhist. Okay. I chant Nam Gyoho Renge Kyo, and that has helped me um, really have perspective. And then it's a constant battle. You know, I you have to you have to schedule personal time like you schedule work, and that's something that I have to figure out and that I'm getting better at. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what's your biggest passion outside of food? My biggest passion outside of food, probably music, tattooing, tattoos, um, and then travel. Okay. I mean, Travel is something, you know, I travel over 200, 225 days a year. So, and it, a lot of it's for work, obviously, but I, I still find time to go out and travel. I love it. I love exploring new cuisines. I love tasting new things and meeting new people, like all that. What's your uh, most memorable Gordon Ramsay saying or phrase? Uh, I love when he says donut to people like you, like you're like a knucklehead. You're, yeah. Your donut. Uh, he says... He goes that that dish looks like my big my my dead grandfather's big toe. He says that sometimes. I think he said Kalonoscopy bag, uh, which was pretty awesome. Uh, he says bollocks a lot. Um, so it's basically English terminology. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I've gotten really savvy at. Because mm-hmm. you know it's you funny. You pull it out on him sometimes. Hell yeah! But it, right. it took me like three years to have the confidence because he's my boss. Oh yeah. Talking about bosses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so I have to be kind of cool, like how I go about it. Um, but it's all good. Yeah. All right. Well, you've talked about Gordon. What's another entrepreneur that inspires you? Oh, that's a good one. Another entrepreneur that inspires me. Um, there's so many. God, where do I go from there? Who does multiple things but does it extremely well? You know, I really love. I mean, I love. I mean, if, if you want to talk about food, I mean, obviously someone like Gordon's a fantastic entrepreneur. But like, like as far as I, you know, I love music. Like I said, I love somebody like Lenny Kravitz. I brought him up a little bit because Lenny actually has a lot of different things that he's involved with. Like, he has home in the Bahamas. He has one. In, he has a ranch in Brazil, and he's really all about helping sustainable, uh, sustainable sort of parts of the world uh, proliferate and, and making sure that like the land rights are taken care of and all the the eco implications are sort of kept in mind. So I, I really admire Lenny, I, I meant tremendously. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned something earlier. What's what's next for Aaron Sanchez? Well, right now we're gonna, we're really sort of working on a new show that I'm that, that's gonna have to deal with youth. 
which I'm really happy about. So I'm, I'm hell bent on selling this damn thing and then creating more content for Cocina, which is uh, my production company. And, uh, and then, you know, doing a couple of new restaurants. Um, and then eventually just trying to get, you know, empower the, our team so they can continue to, to, to grow. And I also want to play a little bit more on the, in the Spanish speaking audience. You know, I have Tamara who's on my team, our team who's amazing. And, uh, I really want to go into that arena and sort of establish myself a little bit more in the Latin community here, not necessarily in other Latin countries. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, an, an absolute pleasure to be able to sit down and have a conversation with you. Thanks so much for coming to the studio and for sharing everything that you did. Well, absolutely. And then I have to have you on our podcast, which is called Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. Man. And then you can make up something, uh, act like you're an expert in Mexican food. I'll give yeah. it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Just, we'll you can make fun of me along the way. Yeah, you know, just like do like Colorado green chili or something. All right. All right we'll, we'll go from there. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for coming.